0: Praise Lord, for Thy great plan That we thy dwelling place may be
1: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. In 1924, Witness Lee was dynamically saved by the Lord as a young man in his native China, and he promptly consecrated the rest of his life to the gospel. He co-labored with Watchman Nee for parts of the next three decades, and in 1962, Witness Lee was led by the Lord to come to the United States. During his 35 years of service to the Lord in America, he ministered in weekly meetings and weekend conferences, delivering thousands of spoken messages. Much of his speaking has since been published, as more than 400 titles, many of which have been translated into numerous foreign languages. He gave his last public conference in February 1997 at the age of 91. We're happy today to be able to bring you recorded excerpts from his speaking and encourage you to contact us if you have any further questions or comments. Please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. During every period of history, it's important to realize that God is operating behind the scenes For the accomplishment of his eternal purpose. When Israel's first king, Saul, was anointed by the priest Samuel, he was confronted with three enemies that were troubling Israel. Jehovah was there working behind the scenes, and he gave Saul specific instructions on how to deal with each of these enemies. How Saul carried out these instructions gives us a clear window into what was in Saul's heart and what kind of king he would turn out to be for Israel. The first enemy Saul confronted were the Ammonites. And Francis Paul has joined us today as we fellowship from 1 Samuel chapters 11 and 12 on this first test that the new king Saul is confronted with. He's an interesting figure, isn't he, Francis? Quite attractive and uh, seems to fit the role of king quite nicely. That's right. We have these uh, two key figures now that are on the scene. Samuel, who we've been talking much about, this one was very much according to God's heart really had to placed God's interests above his own, and the Lord had raised him up by now to be the priest, as we saw also the prophet, and he was the judge over Israel. And so on the earth, humanly at least, there were really none higher than Samuel in their standing before God, and yet the people are dissatisfied, and they're having some difficulties with their enemies, and they look around and see all of the other nations And they're all ruled by kings, earthly kings, men that they can identify with. And so they come to Samuel, and they uh, make a request of him that he would beseech Jehovah and see if it's possible that they could have such a king like all the other nations do. Sounds okay, doesn't it?
2: It sounded like a, a real setup, but we know behind the scene there is God himself, who is the real king.
1: Let's look at a couple of these verses now. This first trial that Paul has presented with the Ammonites, he has much success as we'll see today. Uh, he is wise in his leadership. He uses the armies of Israel in a quite a wise way and gains a victory. And even coming out of that victory, he shows a lot of humility and seems to be just the right man at the right time. But God knows differently, and uh, many things are going to happen in the coming days that expose what is really in Saul's heart and the self-centered sort of focus that he had, typical, I would say, of a lot of leaders that we can identify with.
2: I think this would give us a good picture of being careful how we reject our God and choose a king to replace him. There should not be such a thing, but there was such a thing. But even that, God knows how to use.
1: All right, let's look at these verses. This is interesting. Chapter 11 of First Samuel begins this way. Then Nahash the Ammonite went up and encamped against Jabesh-Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a treaty with us, and we will serve you. And Nahash the Ammonite said to them, On this condition I will make a treaty with you, that all your right eyes be gouged out, Mm. and I will make it a reproach upon all Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days' respite that we may send messengers throughout all the territory of Israel. And if there is no one to save us, we will come out to you. Then the messengers went to Gibeah of Saul." And they spoke these words in the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted up their voice and wept. And Saul was just coming from the field after the oxen. And Saul said, What is wrong with the people that they weep so? And they related to him the words of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul as he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. So he has a proper response, and even the Spirit of God has rushed upon him. Mm -hmm and equipped him to deal with this situation. And at, at this point, Francis, it really appears that uh, he is the right one with the right qualifications to assume this role. But we'll see a little differently as we move forward in today's program. Why don't we join Witness Lee?
0: We have to realize, regardless what's what in the history, behind the scene is God. God is there above all. He is there directing all the things to go on. Where I this, here is a man by the name Saul. Very attractive, tall, big, and uh, seemingly so humble. It seems he was okay to be the king. This was just fitting in the concept of the uh, Israel in a human way. So right way they recognize him as the king. Actually God knows the heart. What is a man's heart. God knows. From the beginning to the end. So in God's eyes, at that time, Saul was very useful for God to carry out his temporary purpose. For what purpose? For the purpose to train Israel. Don't play with God by your kind of choosing. You think we could get this man, my, surely he will be a qualified king. Israel at that juncture needs such an education. An education 40 years under a king apparently good, yet actually very, very evil. I do believe if we had the time to check with Israel, surely they have learned not to go their own way, not to take the human way, not to have the human concept, not to follow the nations in the human way. You have particular possession belonging to God. You must take your way. According to the heart of God, that was what Samuel was. He was absolutely in the heart of God, not in the customs of the nations. But you poor children of Israel learned the things of the nations. You were there in Egypt, the top nation. God delivered you out of that tyranny and brought you into a good land the promised land, you should be here, a particular, a peculiar treasure in the eyes of God. But you didn't. This was the purpose God used Saul. So.
1: When we first began to explore this subject, we realized very clearly God has an eternal purpose, and this purpose involved bringing forth the kingship, the kingship of David. Mm-hmm was going to produce Christ. Yeah. Christ comes through David, and so the kingship is established. So this matter of the kingship is not the problem. Yes, yeah, right. But the way that the people went about it, the very clear realization that they were making their choice rather than God's, gives the Lord an opportunity here where he is going to have what Witness Lee just called a temporary purpose. He has his eternal purpose, now he has a temporary purpose. Talk to us about his temporary purpose and how he used Saul.
2: Well, it's quite marvelous the way he uses Saul because Saul was certainly one who would be very attractive in the human eye and very inviting to the human concept. So when they saw this man, handsome, tall, big, he said, and so attractive, they would certainly feel this is a good king. And he not only that in his appearance, but in the way he handled himself and the way he handled this situation was quite uh, marvelous. He knew how to take care of the troops, how to divide the people of Israel up, and how to uh, get the victory, apparently. right. He did all these things in a proper way from the human point of view, but this was not God's way, not God's purpose. But he uses this, as you said, a temporary purpose to accomplish his long-term goal because he does want to have a kingship.
1: Francis. At this point, as we mentioned earlier, not only does he deal wisely, he gains a victory. In this coming segment, let's look at how Saul wisely used the armies of Israel to defeat the Ammonites and even how he responds in victory in a very seemingly genuine and humble way. In chapter 11, a bit later on, and on the next day, now remember, we had left Saul and his anger had been kindled because the Ammonites were uh, Mm -hmm. humiliating Israel, and so he responds angrily, and it says now, verse 11, and on the next day, Saul put the people into three companies, and they struck Ammon until the day was hot, and those who remained were scattered, that not two of them remained together. And the people said to Samuel, who said, shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, No man shall be put to death on this day, for today Jehovah has accomplished deliverance in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingdom. And all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before Jehovah in Gilgal, and there they sacrificed peace offerings before Jehovah, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. At this point, it seems that uh, everything is turning out very, very well at this juncture, hadn't it?
2: It looks like a good, uh, successful trip here so
0: far.
1: All right, well, let's go back to Witness Lee and carry on this fellowship.
0: Samuel warned the people, you have to know, you'll suffer. Your rejecting of God as your head, as your king, will cause much, much suffering to you. Later on, you will learn. Right way." Something circumstantial happened. The king of the Ammonites came to uh, insult, to put much reproach on the children of Israel. This created the best opportunity for Saul to make a show. Saul was very capable, a strong man, but his heart was wrong. He was out there for the kingdom of God. He was there for his monarchy. Samuel told him, let's go to renew the kingdom. But what was on the heart of Saul was different. Of course, God was in a situation to use him. So right away, God sent the spirit rushing upon Saul. He got strengthened by God. Here you could see Saul's cleverness. He gathered the people. He divided his men into three groups. It was the best strategy to fight against the Ammonites. Then from morning till evening, Ammonites, they were slaughtered by Saul. My goodness, this victory uplifted Saul in the eyes of Israel to the heavens. So the people proposed, pull those out who despised Saul. Saul was so nice, so gentle saying, don't put anyone to death because today God has given me such a victory. Just by this one instant Saul got everything. He became the king so capable, yet so humble. Don't you like such a thing? So he got the heart of the people. He was a real choice of man. But God knew where Saul was.
1: Francis, a number of things strike me here. In addition to the fact that Saul was the choice of the people, but he was capable, he was gifted. Of course, he was attractive. The spirit had come upon him. And he gained the victory. So the Lord even had used him. He had all of these things, all of these factors. And now he has completely gained the heart of the people as well because he's delivered them from this awful enemy that they'd been struggling with. But yet none of these things are really that significant or that important in the eyes of the Lord according to what is on his heart and for his purpose, are they? And yet these are the things that even attract us today.
2: I think we would have a hard time recognizing that he was really wanting this, all this victory for his own kingdom, for his own glory. I don't think he had God in mind, but we would have never have recognized that. So the children of Israel were taken in by his cleverness, by his humility, and by his way of handling the situation. And they, of course they really thought he was the right one. And he thought he was the right one too.
1: Francis, in the previous section, witnessly said that the Lord was going to use this one. Ultimately, he turned out to be not a good king, not a positive figure at all, and even uh, having him as king over Israel proved to be tremendous suffering for them during this 40-year period. And that really set the stage for the Lord being able to bring forth what was really on his heart uh, regarding the kingship, and that is the manifestation or the bringing forth of David. So even though Saul had deceived the people, maybe deceived himself, he did not deceive the prophet Samuel. He certainly had not deceived Jehovah, and the Lord was able to even to use him for Israel's ultimate good, wasn't he?
2: That is really marvelous. Our God is really over all. We shouldn't desert him. We shouldn't turn our back on him, and we shouldn't reject him. We should really take God himself as our king because when they made the choice— which would be very similar to our natural way of making a choice, they got full of disappointment and full of a lot of suffering under King Saul in those 40 years. This
1: matter of building up your own kingdom, your own monarchy, even as we'll see in the coming programs, will be on this matter, we'll see a lot more about Saul, but his desire was to build up his own kingdom, his own monarchy, even within God's kingdom, not outside or not rivaling or challenging. But within God's kingdom, he had his own ambition to build something for himself to gain some recognition. This is a big temptation even today among God's servants particularly, isn't
2: it? Uh, Yes, they may be chosen to be a leader among God's people, but it might be because of their natural appreciation or their natural view. They have nothing to do with God's anointing. And this is a case that the Israelites found out by their natural choosing. Samuel really was disappointed in the people because he was a priest after God's heart, and they were people just willing to support somebody that could protect them and take care of them, and this somebody won a kingdom of his own. So this is a far cry from what God wants. So I think we're gonna see what Samuel brings out to them after this kind of event.
1: Well, in the next chapter, even though Saul had gained the hearts of the people, Samuel, as we said, whose heart really matched the Lord's realizes deep within Saul is this seeking for his own glory, his own recognition, his own kingdom. And so Samuel, in the beginning of chapter 12, presents the people of Israel with a kind of a comparison. In a sense, this sounds somewhat boastful on Samuel's part. He sort of Mm -hmm. compares himself to Saul, and Saul had just been manifest here as being so humble and so magnanimous. Mm -hmm. And here Samuel rises up and begins to kind of make a comparison of his character with that of the king. And one might say that uh, it was a bit unbecoming of Samuel, but yet Samuel's heart was right before the Lord in making this kind of comparison. Then he goes on and gives the people kind of a warning. Chapter 12, verse uh, 13, we'll pick up the reading there. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have asked for. See then, Jehovah has set a king over you. If you fear Jehovah and serve him and listen to his voice and not rebel against the commandment of Jehovah... And if both you and the king who reigns over you follow Jehovah your God, fine. But if you do not listen to the voice of Jehovah, but rebel against the commandment of Jehovah, then the hand of Jehovah will be against you, as it was against your fathers. Now, therefore, stand here and see this great thing that Jehovah will do before your eyes. And, of course, at that time, Samuel asked the Lord to perform a kind of a miracle regarding the rain and the thunder. And Jehovah responds and gives him what he asked for, making a very clear, I would say, demonstration before the people that Samuel, even though Saul had all of these characteristics, Samuel was the one that shared God's heart.
2: That's a marvelous thing, and I feel this is in our heart. We would like to be those that really echo and reflect God's heart and not try to build up something of our own kingdom. Right. God wants to raise up his kingdom and have his people for his satisfaction.
1: Well, let's go back to Witness Lee. I think uh, we'll hear him underscore many of these same points, Francis, in this last segment.
0: Right after that kind of happy situation, you have a comparison. ching Sao was so humble, but Prophet Samuel was not that humble. He asked the people to remember his integrity. Could you see this? This sovereign of the Lord, in comparison, if you were there, you would say, I don't like this Samuel, too proud, I like Saul, very humble, very kind. Some intention was that you should remain to be under the kingship of God, taking him as your husband, taking him as your head, then you will enjoy a good life. And he will have a good kingdom on this earth for himself to be the king. You are foolish. You divorced God. And you married yourself to Saul. You had a second marriage. Following this, you will have many marriages, many idols. Samuel taught them to follow God and never turn away. They should not turn away, but serve Jehovah with all their heart. You should only have one heart. A heart toward God, for God. A heart so simple, so single, so pure, so faithful, like my heart, which is a copy of God's heart. This is Samuel. Even Samuel considered not to pray for God's people is a sin against Jehovah. Because if I only pray for my children, yet I don't pray for God's children, this is a sin. So I should not be foolish, selfish, just to pray for my children, forgetting about God's children. I should be wise. I should pray for God's children. and God would take care of his children, that includes, that covers, also my children. So in the history of Samuel, his he strives only for God and God's people. That's God's elect. I hope that we all see what is of God's heart and what is really for God's heart.
1: Francis, there's just a minute left here, but a good way to end the program. I think it ends on a somewhat sober note. It's important for all of us today in following the Lord, and certainly that means following the ones that the Lord has raised up to be in the lead before us and among us. What we need to be following is the one who has God's heart. It may not be the one that's the most gifted, the most attractive, or even the one that has done mighty things when the Spirit has come upon him, according to uh, this pattern. But we need to follow the Samuels today, don't we?
2: that is a marvelous illustration this message brings before us because there are continually these two choices there are those that rise up among us that seem so capable and so gifted and so much for God and yet their goal is really to form something for their own kingdom or their own monarchy but Samuel is a different breed a different person he's one that has God's heart and he's one after God's purpose and God's goal, knowing that if He takes care of God's children, God will take care of all His children. That includes all His people. So I think this is a real lesson for us today, to be able to set aside our own ambition and really just humble ourselves before the Lord, recognize that He's our real King, and we want to follow Him. We want to have a heart like His.
1: Hmm wonderful pattern evolving or developing here. And this contrast between Samuel and Saul will become more evident so we pick up this story again and see now the case of the fights against the Philistines and also prevails and then eventually against the Amalekites or Amalekites and prevails once again. But during this whole sequence, more and more of what's really in Saul's heart becomes evident. And eventually the people realize they had followed the wrong thing once again and paid a dear price for it.
2: Right, because they went by what was natural, what was pleasant in their sight, without much consideration of what was God's purpose. Yeah. But now we see God is overall after all, and <laughs> he has a way to work out the temporary things so he can gain his eternal purpose.
1: Good to fellowship, a good point to close on. Francis, thanks as always for your help, and uh, we invite you back very many more times in this coming conclusion of the life study of First Samuel.
2: Thank you. We look forward to more of these lessons to show up here.
1: All right, we hope you'll contact us to get the printed life study messages for First and Second Samuel. It's available one volume for both of these books. That's it for today. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde, And thank you today for listening.
0: Dear Lord, we give to Thee. Receive us into Thy wise hands.
1: Do you want to know the deeper truths of the Bible? wish you could attend a Bible study, but just don't have the time. Well, if you enjoyed this program, then we invite you to visit our website at lsmradio.com. From there, you'll find programs on every book of the Bible and all free of charge. These programs will not only give you a more profound understanding of the scriptures, but also refresh and revitalize your daily Christian walk From our website, you can download the MP3 files, stream them live, or subscribe to the podcast. Again, all free of charge. Once more, that website, lsmradio.com. Thanks for listening.